raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. The word of the Lord. We're blessed by God's word. As we consider the theme of being centered in Christ, what does it mean to you? What does it mean that your life is to be focused on Jesus, because that's really what this passage is talking about. It's challenging, challenging us to do this. And so the question comes through the ages, how's your life, if you're a follower of Jesus, centered on Christ? How are you choosing to live it? Well, when I was younger, I used to enjoy running. I loved the city to surf. It was just so much fun. One of the things I found is that I needed to focus myself on the goal. Having just a little problem there, James, if you wouldn't mind giving me a hand. You couldn't afford to be distracted by those things around you, particularly not a dinosaur. You see, my goal as a runner was to try and pass the person in front of me, not pass through him. You see, dedicated runners, the best runners, are very focused people. They set their heart and their mind on one goal, to win the race, to do the best that they can, to remove any distractions from their life. Is that you? Is that how you run your race? For Paul uses that analogy in Scripture. Are you focused on what you want to achieve for Jesus in your life? What are you aiming for in life? What is your goal? Are you centered on Christ? You see, the emphasis in this passage is there might be things that you need to do to remove, to add to your life if you truly seek to make Jesus the focus of your life. And today we look at Colossians chapter 3. Our passage tells us that Paul's desire is that our life will be transformed, that we will become more like Jesus. That's his desire for every follower of Christ. He wants us to fully experience new life in Christ. And so he gives us several instructions. In the first few verses of this chapter, 
we're told to focus our heart, our mind on things above. If, if you've got Scripture open as a smart device or, or a Bible, I'd encourage you to have a look at it and be inspired by these words because what it's challenging us to do is to focus our life, our heart, our minds completely on Jesus like that runner who's, who's not distracted by other things that might catch their attention. We're committed right to the very end. Are you centered on Christ? And perhaps you might be asking, well, why should I today? Uh, the answer comes ringing from heaven because he loves you. I mean, isn't that the message of the cross, the reminder of Easter, that Jesus loves each one of us so much that he's willing to stretch out his arms and have them nailed to the cross, that his life was given, his blood, his body, broken, shattered, shared, that our sins might be forgiven. What a wonderful reminder of the essence of Easter, so much more profound than Easter eggs or dare I say, even holidays. And so in response to God, Colossians 1 and, and verses 12 to 14 tells us to trust in Him, accept His offer of salvation, that He longs to forgive us our sins, to purify us, to adopt us, to reconcile us into His family. Good teaching. And a good reminder of what Jesus is all about. We've been hearing about it this morning, haven't we? Those great themes of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, eschaton. You see, Jesus wants us more to be forgiven, though. He wants us to deepen our relationship with him. So what does it mean that we seek to center our life in Christ? Because that's the motto of the school. That's what we're about. What does it mean for you in the coming week? How do you respond to Jesus to follow his teaching and his example, to live a life that, that truly pleases him, a life that glorifies the master, a life that doesn't allow other things to take his place? There in the reading, we see idolatry and gives the example of greed. Is there idolatry in your life? Is there something else that's taken first place in your life? the focus of your attention? Is there something that's taken Christ's place in your life that you've gradually allowed to slip in and you've been reminded today, no, that belongs to Jesus. That's His place. Give Him that place and allow the other things to find their place in your life. You see, the motto directs us to Ephesians 4, and there in verse 16, it reminds us that we are to grow in every way and be more like Christ. Grow in every way. How are you growing? You take those moments to consider how your life has changed over the last year. You take a moment to reflect and say, what are the blessings that I've experienced this week? It's easier to dwell on the challenging and the difficult and the hard things, isn't it? But sometimes when you ask another person, what blessings have you experienced? It takes a moment to consider them. How has God blessed your life this past week? What are things that you can truly praise and worship Him for? 
we are commanded to set our heart, our mind on Christ. But what does it mean for us in tangible ways as, as we consider it in the coming weeks? What does it mean where we go to work, go to those places where we play, where we interact with other people? Well, we're in the practical section of Colossians. And here Paul is describing and give us, giving us instruction in the ways in which we can do this. So as we examine verses 5 to 9, we see there the apostle describing some of the evil aspects of our human nature, and he commands us to put them to death. It sounds kind of harsh, doesn't it? But they're things that can tempt and encourage us to conform to this, this sinful society that we live in. But we've seen death, we've seen loss, we've seen decay with the drought and with the bushfires. Some of us can be overwhelmed by these circumstances. And then we have the blessing of rain and there's flooding. There's been enough death and destruction, hasn't there, Lord? Can't we compromise a little? That's what we sometimes tend to do, isn't it? We might want to discard some of those evil practices, but deep down we, we do want to hang on to some of them. But if we're truly reading this passage, then this experience of new life means that our sinful nature must be put to death. We have to get rid of it. It's like garbage that's been in the bin too long and has a distinct aroma. It stinks. It needs to go. Is there anything in your life that stinks and needs to go? Have you, have you accumulated rubbish in your life and, it, and it's hindering you? Some of you may have been in that experience of walking through the home of a hoarder I have and to walk through this narrow little tunnel and it is a tunnel and it was just stacked high with belongings. Rows of paper and magazines that they didn't want to throw out. And my big fear was it might actually collapse on me as I'm walking through. It was a genuine fear. A terrible death to die smothered under old magazines and newspapers. But this person couldn't help themselves and yet to somehow encourage them to get rid of this rubbish that was cluttering up their life. They couldn't comprehend it. It was beyond their ability. Is that you? Is there rubbish in your life that you need to discard to get rid of? How can you do that? A beautiful rose. I love roses. My mother, her middle name was Rose. For growing up, we enjoyed a lot of them. And uh, 15 years ago, when I had the privilege of teaching for a very small 14-week block at Tooney, I got to teach the horticulture class for year 9 and 10, and we did propagation. It was so much fun. And so we took a a hard cutting, a hard stem, not the soft one like this. And I encourage him to just scrape away the bottom part just down the bottom there. Down there where the roots would develop and we put it into a mixture that encourages the growth of roots. In those days we used to call it rooting mixture, but you couldn't tell year nine students that without them all giggling for some reason. Staff are probably just as bad. We'd clip off the leaves and we planted them and the roots developed. And some students took them home, others we planted them just outside the, the staff room and perhaps they've even lasted until recently. 
I love roses. I love the flowers, and particularly when there's a beautiful scent. But what do I need to do for this beautiful rose, this pattern, to become a rose bush? Anyone? What do I need to do? Yeah. It feels harsh, doesn't it? I feel bad doing it. And yet, in pots, I've got rose bushes growing that remind me of friends and churches that impact my life even to this day. Because when I see the roses growing, I give thanks to those people for the memories that I have. Yes, to produce a bush of flowers. But I had to prune it. I had to discard the flower. As beautiful as it is. I mean, look at that head. Isn't it magnificent? Is there something you need to discard from your life? Last night, our ladies gathered together and they were challenged with themes from John chapter 15, the rose bush, sorry, the, 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 the grapevine. And, and as they were challenged, they were reminded of verse 2, I, I believe. For there it tells us that the vine dress of the Father, God comes along and he prunes that we might be more fruitful. Is there something he needs to prune from your life? Is there something you need to discard? that you can be more fruitful. What are those things? You see, if we seek new life and new growth, then we have to prune our sinful human nature. Verse 9 tells us, you have given up your old way of life with its habits. You have given up your old way of life with its habits. Have you? What do you need to discard? You see, in verses 5 to 9, Paul outlines a number of things that need to go. He gives a wide range of evil practices. He, he deals with sexual sin, Im sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires. He mentions the desire of greed. The NIV translates it as idolatry, those things that we put in, in Christ's place. And he emphasizes the dangers of anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language and lies which can destroy relationships and a person's character. Do you have a weakness that you need to deal with? Something that's binding you and oppressing you? How is God challenging you this morning? You see, what the apostle is saying in listing these sorts of evil practices is that this sort of earthly and evil attitude and behavior is not God's will for his people. It's not the sort of lifestyle that he wants us to live. Rather, we're to find true fulfillment as the human beings he created us to be, the people he desires us to grow to become. And so the challenge that comes to us in the church as believers is not to be deceived by empty words, those that we found in chapter 2 that describes hollow philosophy. Empty words like, if it feels good, then it's okay. Have you had someone echo that to you? Have you used those words yourself? It must be good because I feel good about it. Or how about greed is good? Is greed good? 
Have you been challenged by the images of people fighting over toilet paper in the last few days? What high honour and integrity we saw amongst Australians, some of our finest moments when helping one another through the drought and the bushfires. And what have we been reduced to? The laughing stock of the world. The rest of the world can't believe that there were people fighting over toilet paper. When the shelves are going to be restocked next week. It's easy for me. I filled up the car on Friday night after a meeting. And I made a comment to the guy. I said, you got toilet paper, you know, on sale at the moment? Meaning, you know, at a sale price, making a joke. He said, oh, there's plenty over there. I looked at it and I thought, do you know what? I'm sure there are people who need it more than me. <laughs> We've got enough for another couple of weeks. It's going to be restocked. Is that what we're reduced to? And cleaning out the pasta. Oh, if there's such a thing as Christian pride, I call it joy. I had so much joy when my wife came home with this last night. Because you can't get it. Now, you know why I felt the joy? Not because we've got pasta. We've actually got some. Our danger in our family is not using it for the use-by day. But because there are so many people fighting for pasta, there's none in the shopping centres. And yet, here were the ladies at Wisdom for Woman last night saying, you want life? Find new life, because here it is. John 15, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. People, that represents new life to me. If you need pasta, come and get it at the end of the service. We've been blessed. But if someone feels the need and they're going to self-isolate this week, boy, you need it more than me. Is that who we're reduced to? Greed is good. You see, what these ladies were saying is, don't join in these practices. Follow Jesus. He has a higher standard. He wants so much more for you and for me. And if that's tempting you this day, then discard these standards, these ways of the world. Don't give in to your natural desires. Don't align yourself with the schemes and the temptations of the devil. People, can I just apologize if you, you know, just pile a little bit of pasta and toilet paper? I'm not having a go at you. Look, I understand that fear of missing out. What do we call it, FOMO? But what I do want to challenge you today is to say, Jesus calls us to live by an amazing standard where we can bless others. That's who he calls and challenges us to be. And whatever our past, the amazing thing is you can wipe that slate clean. You can wipe that chalkboard clean. You can wipe that whiteboard clean. You can wipe it all clean because we are forgiven. That's the message of the cross. We can have a new start in life. Have a new start today. Focus your life on Jesus. Live a life that's centered on Christ, one that pleases and glorifies Him. You see, that's what the desire, the Master desires to build within us. We're actually a work under construction as we seek to grow to maturity. And we put a lot of effort into those things that are important to us, don't we? We put effort and energy into work and education, home, family, relationships, hobbies, even our clothing. I'm putting a little bit too much into my clothing at the moment, but I'm working on that. Because the best thing I can do when dealing with coronavirus, surely, is to go out and exercise and, and develop my lungs and glorify God that way. But I don't spread any infection to anyone else. What's important to you? What do you put time and energy and effort into? 
because I'd like to encourage you to focus on your Christian life for a while and say, it's something I need to care for. It's something I need to treat seriously and put commitment into. Will you do that today? Make the most of your Christian walk by living a lifestyle that truly glorifies Him. And you might ask, David, how do we do this? Well, Paul gives us the instruction, doesn't he? You see, in verses 9 and 10, the apostle makes it clear how we're to deal with evil. He writes that we're to rid ourselves of evil practices. You've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self. He's talking about the transformation of our life. And these are active words. This is not just something that God does on us. And we say, stand back and say, bring it on, Lord. This is something that we are involved in. And I still find it amazing that the Creator, Redeemer, the risen and the returning Lord, the one who, who has done so many, many amazing things beyond my comprehension, wants to involve me in this work of transformation. You and I are invited to be part of what God is doing in this world, and it starts with our life. Your kingdom come, your will be done, starts with me, doesn't it? How's God transforming your life? Will you join him in this work? Two simple little steps. Take off the old self. Discard those things that dishonor God. Remove those things that are unlike Christ. You see, God wants us to be aware of those sinful, destructive things that must be discarded. The, the Spirit prompts us constantly. Everything that's alien and opposed to the Lord's nature is to be removed, thrown out, deleted from our life. And can I be honest for a moment and say that this sort of revelation isn't always pleasant. At times it can be quite devastating when God identifies something in your life that you treasure or that you can live with, but that he can't. And he says, David, you have to let that go if you want to grow. Are you struggling with something like that today? Where God said, you've got to let it go. If you, if you want to grow to be more like me, release it, prune it out. What is it that God wants me to discard? What behavior is the Spirit prompting me to discard, to delete from my life? Will I ignore the voice of God and just say, Lord, I, I need this in my life? Like chocolate? Or will I say, Master, I will make a commitment today to glorify you, to please you, to honor you, and together can we struggle? Will you transform me from the inside out and I'll work from the outside in? And together we meet in the middle as we dispose of this thing that stinks in my life that is rubbish in my character that needs to be removed. Will you make that commitment today and ask God to work in your life to transform? But you see, it's not enough to take things off. There are things that he wants us to put on. That's the second way the Spirit ministers to us. 
He reveals to us the great spiritual blessings that could and, and could be ours, and He enables us to receive them. You see, the Lord wants to build His character in our life, and He tells us that we are to be renewed in God's image. I love the verse that says, each of you is now a new person. You're becoming more and more like your Creator. We may know Him, it goes on to say. We may experience Him as a reality in our life as our life is transformed. How do we go about doing this? Well, we ask God, first of all. For this is His work within us. The Holy Spirit desires deeply to transform us. Will we ask Him? And will we invite others for as we are relational beings who relate to God, we, we need other people in our life who will pray for us and encourage us, who will work in this transformation with us. Do we have the courage to be vulnerable with them and say, will you help me? You see, Ephesians 4 goes on to talk about the whole body being mature in Christ. It talks about the people of God growing and linked together by love. Will we trust and love others enough that we will trust them with the vulnerable parts of our life as we seek to grow together? Will we exercise our will as we seek to develop you and godly habits, as we refocus our thoughts, our feelings, instead of being distracted by the things around us, will we come back and center them on Christ? And that's a habit that we can cultivate. Last year, we, we had a program called 40 Days of Prayer. And for me, the challenge was to say over 40 days, because often it takes about that long to cultivate a new habit, I would learn how to pray on my way down to the facility. So it doesn't matter whether I have two services. Each time I'm driving down, I commit to pray. And so it was on Wednesday, as so I was actually going to a meeting over at Morning College, that I found myself saying, I need to pray, but something's wrong. And I figured out, no, I wasn't going to the facility like I normally do, but I was still engaged in ministry, and I prayed. You'd be relieved to know if you live in the area that I pray with my eyes open. <laughs> I don't yet have the faith to trust God to drive the car. Will you develop and shape the direction of your thoughts and your emotions to cultivate habits that truly glorify God? And that's not easy always. This verse challenges us to take off, to discard, to prune out, but also to put on Jesus Christ. And we're involved also in that process. Will we ask him to do this? Will we ask others in the community of faith, the people of God, to assist us praying and encouraging us? Will we exercise our will and say, Lord, help me as you transform me from the inside let me work also with you. That's why they're called spiritual disciplines, aren't they? I was in a group where we were learning about them, and one guy said, can't we call them spiritual practices because we practice them? Yes, but it also takes discipline to nurture that sort of life, doesn't it? Who do you want to be? What are you aiming for in life? Well, this passage challenges us to change, doesn't it? It talks of what God longs to do in our life as we center our life on Jesus Christ. 
the command comes through the ages, echoing from the pen of Paul. Center your life on Christ. Fix your mind, your heart, your attention on Him. Let it shape your life and your lifestyle. How do you respond to this instruction? Don't leave here unmoved. Take a moment to consider, am I making the most of my new life in Christ? How am I making the most of my life? Will I center my life on Christ? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we live in a world which discards you, ridicules you, puts you down, where Christianity can be seen as being irrelevant. And yet we see the possibility of what you want, that we can have new life in you. Easter reminds us of this hope and this message. As you call us to focus our hearts and our minds on yourself and to live our new life in a way that glorifies you. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will work in our life. And we ask that we can find others who will pray for and encourage us. But most of all, help us to put off those things, those evil practices, to discard those things that are unlike you. Help us to put on those things that truly honor and please you. We ask that you will work within us to transform our life and our lifestyle. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Dave. And I uh, truly hope that you have been impacted uh, in some way today um, throughout the service. And uh, may you be encouraged to uh, not only live a Christ-centered life, but to impart that attitude on our young kids. Amen. Let's uh, stand and sing of our good and gracious King. the throne of glory nothing in my hands I bring but the promise of acceptance from a good and gracious King 